This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth with you up until 2 o'clock, 315-437-7644. We are powered by Drivers Village. Again, a lot of basketball talk on the show today. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Pat in Syracuse kicking us off on Orange Nation. Hey, Pat. Hey, guys. I'll try to be short and sweet. I know you got a jam-packed show. I just got a couple quick quick points. Uh, so, so far, great show. That was an awesome interview. I really thought, Bob, uh, I really enjoyed his interview for, for sure. But two quick things on the game, and it kind of debunks a little bit of what he said. Um, I think Syracuse's offense, over, and I understand Bob doesn't watch him as much as we do, uh, and he's very knowledgeable on the game, but I, I think our offense is going to be a major factor in this game um, because of the matchups with Duke, specifically who's guarding Brissett, who's guarding Battle, and who's guarding Howard. Those are th- three things I look at when I'm looking at the opponent, and I like what we're seeing from Duke. And, you know, they, they can play zone, obviously, and they probably will. But, I mean, I don't think we're going to have a lot of problems shooting over Trent and Grayson Allen and Duvall, um, who's struggling big time and is a real chemistry issue for, for Duke. So I like the matchup. Um, I, I think if Duke shoots it well, we're not winning because that'll get the crowd going and, you know, it, 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 it can really build uh, some momentum against us quickly. But I like the matchup. I think we're winning this game. I don't think Duke is a super team. They are getting more connected. They are playing very well. But I don't think it's – I actually think Carolina, the way Carolina's playing, their defense surprised me a little bit, to be honest with you. I think Carolina might be a better team, and they proved it on the court because they, they, they beat Duke when they were both playing well. So without Bagley, you got to take care of business. They got a lot of drama with Wendell Carter. So let's hopefully we can steal one. And one last quick point, and then I'll let, I'll let you guys go. The bottom of the bubble, the belly of the bubble is so weak that people need to be careful about what we must do. When you look at teams like Washington that were right there on that cut line and teams like UCLA and teams like and teams that are a seven seed in Houston, I can tell you right now, Syracuse is closer to a six seed than, than, than they are out of the tournament if they take care of business. So that, that bottom of the bubble is very weak. So it'll be interesting to see. Thanks, guys. All right, appreciate checking in, Pat. Yeah, that the was the bubble a, is always. Can I can I throw out a disclaimer? Weak. The bubble's always weak. I, I always love that, and and I don't disagree. I mean, like Washington's fallen off, and they're going to really drop in the advanced metrics. I think they're going to fall out of the top hundred in Kempom. Uh, but yeah, the the bubble's always weak. It's it's a reason why it's the bubble. You're you're fighting over the the last spots in a 68 team tournament. I was going to say that was a big game for Washington last night on the road at Stanford, and they got crushed. the The final score is only what it was a 16 point spread. Uh, they were down big in that game, down big early, and just it really never had a chance. and And that was a, a tough loss for for Coach Hop and the Huskies. And again, you look at the the latest bracketology for what it's worth, and and Washington was on the outside looking in going into last night last. Uh, first four teams out, I believe Joe Lenardi had them, and uh, that is certainly uh, not going to help their case. Uh, as for this matchup against Duke, I agree with what Bob Wischusen said. If Duke plays well, Duke can run just about anyone out of the gym. Uh, whereas, you know, that he you know compared and contrasted Duke with Virginia, and, and he's right. Virginia plays a lot of close games, even if Virginia plays well. You know, it's gonna you're gonna be within striking distance of Virginia most of the time. Right. You know, midway through the well, second half. Well, except for that one time they came up to the dome well, three weeks ago. Yeah, Syracuse. Yeah, no, but did I, not score in that game, yeah. and that, I mean that was a problem. The the point is, no, I agree with what he said. If it, they play well, they're gonna they're gonna run away from you because Duke's strength is offense. Right, and, and so. They're both right, in meaning Bob and Pat. Like Pat is right. SU's offense has gotten better, like noticeably better. There's no doubt about that. They are they are doing 
Um, they're playing better on that end of the floor. They're, they're certainly scoring more efficiently. They're moving better. They're, they've figured some things out. Let's put it that way. But Bob is right in that if, if Duke shoots well and Duke plays well, Duke is going to win. I mean, yes. there, there's no doubt about that, in, in, in my opinion. Um, Syracuse needs to make Duke uncomfortable on the offensive end, you know, with that 2-3 zone, and, and they've got to make shots themselves. They're probably not going to be able to play this game in the 60s. This is probably going to be like the Carolina game the other day, 78-74. They're going to have to score to win this game. Um, Duke's got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of ways they can beat you. Even with Bagley out, they've shown that, you know, defensively they're a better team. They still have enough answers on offense, even with him out of line. I don't think he's going to play. Bob Wischusen said, you know, they didn't have an update, and we don't have an official update, but you listen to Coach K talk, and for him to say, well, he's day to day, but it, he's not really day to day. Like he's he's hedging his bets. It sounds like yeah, he's not coming back. You know, immediately. It sounds like this might linger for a little bit. They want to get him healthy for the ACC tournament and beyond. Um, so I don't think he's going to play tomorrow, just based on what I've heard. Now that could change if he's feeling good. You know, maybe they put him out there. Um, they they don't have a lot to gain though by putting Marvin no. Bagley out there. No, they have nothing to gain. They can't be the top seed in the ACC tournament. They've got the ACC tournament and and they think a long run in in the NCAA tournament ahead of them. They've got nothing to gain by playing him. And you know what? Defensively, what's Syracuse going to be able to do uh, against Duke's defense? Right? And, and we talk about Duke as a as a offensively minded team, and and they are. Uh, their defense has been very good the last couple of games, and and it seems to have hit their stride. Oh, by the way, they've started playing the 2-3 zone. Oh, by the way, Coach K borrowing from uh, from his friend. You learned from the best, yeah. right? I mean, it, it, is, it, it is running some form of Jim Beheim's 2-3 zone. Because it, and you could ask Duke people, and I'll ask Mark Armstrong about it later, but Coach K never ran zone, and then they coached together in the Olympics, and like he started to sprinkle yeah, I it I kind of like this zone yeah. thing. And, and you know what? It's worked this year. It's worked for them. Whether that is because they played two bigs and it was a mismatch with nobody else ever playing two bigs, I'm not sure. But over the last couple of weeks, the Duke defense has gotten considerably better, and it's been while playing zone. So the question becomes for Syracuse, can they shoot well enough over it? And for the majority of this year, I've said, zone up this Syracuse team at every opportunity you get because they're not going to beat you with the shot. Right now, they've got, what, two reliable three-point shooters and Tyus Battle who can knock a couple down? Like, I would say that O'Shea Brissett and Frank Howard at this point have been more reliable from beyond the arc. More reliable than you think O'Shea's been more reliable than Tyus? I, the last three weeks, yes. It's been hit or miss. I mean, the point is that they're not a three point shooting team. It doesn't matter who's reliable or not. Like they're they're just fair. not a great three point shooting who team. Who do you feel? The, who do you feel better about of those three? Game on the line. You I get want one Tyus shot. Who's in the shot? Right. That, yeah. that was going to be my point. Is that? Yeah. Yes, I w- but at the same time, he went zero for, 0 for they, five. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, I I don't think that this is a great three point shooting team. At most, they have three point shooting options, three three point shooting options. Uh, so, so I would zone up this team at every opportunity, and that's what's been working for Duke. So that might play into their favor. As for this, you know, Wendell Carter situation, um, his name is in the report having a meal with this agent, Christian Dawkins. Yeah. That is different than Miles Bridges at Michigan State. There is uh, documentation that his family received cash, that his mom got, there was one, you know, $400 installment. There was, uh, you know, a meal as well that he did not pay for. Michigan State might have a bigger issue than Duke. And again, I, I don't know 
if his eligibility will be called into question. As Bob Wachusen said, if he was ineligible because of this or if he is ineligible because of this, they've already played the entire season with him out there. So they would have to vacate those wins. So I, I, I tend to agree with what Bob Wachusen says that you know, if you're Coach K, you just keep playing him, and you just that's you know, what I would do. You keep going until somebody says that he can't play, and that's if he can't play, and yeah. if he's ineligible, then you're in trouble anyway. So you might as well just keep playing him. So I, I expect Carter to play tomorrow. I do not think Bagley's going to go. Look, uh, when you look at even the what was paid for by by this agent for people, like Wendell Carter is on the low level of that. I mean, Brian Bowen had three flights paid for by him, right? For for him, for his mom, for his dad, totaling $1,500. Uh, you know, uh, Edmund Sumner and, and Josh Jackson had a, a hotel room booked for them at $250. Uh, you know, and, and you look in, and Wendell Carter got a, a lunch for, you know, 100 bucks at a steakhouse. Uh, like, okay, you know, like, I... I at the end of the day, that's what a secondary violation. I mean, I, I don't think that maybe you suspend him for a couple of games, um, and also we know that the NCAA drags their feet. So Wendell Carter will probably never get suspended. But uh, you know, like, what, what's the worst thing that happens by continuing to play him? Like, I, I don't see how there's a negative consequence here. Like, I I don't think with him the consequences right. are the the risk is that bad. You know, if you're talking about. If Dennis Smith were still in college, right, and he got a seventy-three thousand dollar payment, and you this came out, he can't I would play pull, anymore. I would yes. pull him off the court, right? You know, like it's if, different. Like Benny Boatwright, who's at USC right now, who got at least two thousand dollars, I might pull him off the court. Uh, you know, Wendell Carter, who had a hundred dollar lunch paid for for his mom, meh. And that's why I think Michigan State's kind of in a tough spot because it's kind of between, right? It's kind of between. Uh, you know, Brian Bowen getting payments or, you know, or anyone getting $1,000 payments and, you know, his family getting $400, maybe a meal paid for. I, I don't know whether or not they pull him off the court, but I, I don't think Duke is going to do anything with Wendell Carter uh, at the moment. We should point out that John Gillen's name did appear handwritten in the documents. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Uh, there was no dollar amount associated with John Gillen's name. Um, and it was under the column of Stephen Pina. Am I saying? I, I, I think so. I think it's P-I-N-A. It's, He's one of the associates that works at that agency. It's on the list of people who they paid but did not get, did not sign. And it um, could have been a meal. It could have been. And it, and it, the rest of the, the rest of the list is like, hey, we gave Dennis Smith seventy three thousand dollars, but he didn't sign with us. How are we getting his money back? Bam Adebayo didn't sign with us. How are we getting his loan back? And it has the money listed for all those other players, like the four other players. It has nothing listed, and he's There's like no scribbled down on a on a side. So I don't know if or how he would be involved. So let me just interrupt you right there. So Syracuse.com just updated their story. Syracuse.com and the Post Standard, have, they, they've received a text message from John Gillen who said, quote, Steve is a family friend that I've known for a long time. I never received any type of payment from him. End okay. of quote. So for what it's worth, uh, John Gillen speaking out. But again, it doesn't seem to indicate any problem there. Again, his his name, though, is scribbled, uh, handwritten on the document. And, no money amount, uh, you know, dollar amount associated and, with his and name. And look, can't that mean anything as as simple as... We're targeting after, him. We're, we're targeting him or after he left Syracuse, sure. he trained with us, didn't end up signing with us or, or you know, maybe did and we have to be reimbursed for... The, the gym time and the hotel stay and whatever it may could be. Could mean a like, million things. There's so many things here that it could mean. I don't think there's a problem though. I and, don't no. And it doesn't and, seem like it based on based on that. I said, okay, fine. Go go vacate all the big wins that Syracuse had last year. Like, okay. 
Go go go! Vacate that NCAA tournament appearance that they didn't have. I just wanted to throw that out there because that is the the only Syracuse connection from today's At report, all. anyway, yeah. that that we've seen. So doesn't seem like a big deal, but I just wanted to throw it out there. And again, uh, good job by Syracuse.com to to update that story and, and get a quote from Gillen who says he never received uh, any payment. We are up against the clock. Got to take another time out. Phone lines remain open. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Back after this on ESPN Radio. Home of the Syracuse Crunch, ESPN 97.7, 100.1, This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Friday edition of Orange Nation. We've got Patrick Beeline, Lemoyne head coach, set to join us here in about five minutes or so. Then Mark Armstrong from the ABC affiliate down in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. He'll come on with us in hour number two as we continue to preview Syracuse and Duke. I don't love this matchup, uh, Seth, for a lot of reasons uh, tomorrow. Um, probably the biggest one, we know Duke is the, you know, the highest scoring team in the country. Duke's the best three-point shooting team in the conference, and that's a great way to beat the 2-3 zone. Have somebody in the high post who can attack and have a bunch of shooters that can knock down threes. And they've got a bunch of shooters that can knock down threes. This is uh, this is not a great matchup for Syracuse for a lot of reasons. I think the venue um, is a problem. Uh, the opponent is, uh, is the bigger problem tomorrow night. Yeah, uh, Duke is very, very good. Uh, I mean, there, there's no way around it, right? This team is very good. Uh, they they are playing as well as they have all season long, um, and it, it's oddly enough without probably their most talented player. But you know Grayson Allen has gotten on a roll, and and Grayson Allen is back to being the player that was expected uh, of him, rather than a guy who was taking the back seat to Bagley or Carter or anybody else on, on this team. And you know what? They could shoot well. They're figuring out the defense. Uh, this is a scary team, not just tomorrow night for Syracuse, but going forward as as we hit postseason play. I think one of us might have said that when all's said and done, Duke would be uh, the best team in the conference. I think we both. I, Did I you think agree with we me? both. Said, I know I've yeah. been harping on that for a while. I think we both said that. All right. Yeah. Well, good job by you. You should agree with me more often because I'm usually right. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. That's the lesson there. Uh, Drew and Clay. Is it? It is. Up next. Hey, Drew. What's going on? Hey, guys. How are you guys doing today? Good. How are you? Doing well. Thank you. So quickly, um, this whole FBI probe thing. The bottom line is this. is I'm glad to see other schools mentioned on there. There's a lot that has to come out. I don't think at this point any players will be suspended for the upcoming tournament. Because at this point, i.e. use Carter from Duke, he could be suspended right now. Okay? But they lose all their games this year. Why suspend him now? all those games going to count. So I think everything will play out this season. After this, though, I think everything's up in the air what's going to happen. Uh, it's good to see other schools on there, though. I think that the NCAA came down way too hard in Syracuse for their allegations, and this stuff is much deeper. Hopefully there's no SU players on this list at this point. There doesn't seem to be, but uh, I think, you know, this is going to get ugly. It's not going to get any better. This is only the tip of the iceberg, and I think there's more to come out of it. And it's going to be very interesting where this goes. I'll leave you on this note. The SU Duke game tomorrow night, it's a five-point game either way. Take care, guys. Wow. Five-point game. Callers are confident. Callers are confident. Uh, Syracuse, listen, 
along those lines, SU has not been blown out this year. Wow. Every every game's been close. Well, wow. what are you going to say, Virginia? Yeah, that wasn't a blowout. I mean, it was. It was. Eh, what, they, what was the final spread? Twelve. It's not really a blowout. That was a blowout. Okay. They Virginia Virginia winning by 12 is like any other team winning by like 25. They, they didn't have a chance to win three games. Kansas, and in that game they cut it to seven in the second half, but Kansas was never really in jeopardy of losing, and the two Virginia games, even though the first Virginia game was like seven, the second Virginia game was like 12. They lost by 15 to Virginia. Okay. I mean, it's lopsided. I don't know if I would call it a blowout. I think blowout, I think like 20 or more. But okay. semantics. Uh, the fact remains. I, hey, they were down... What ten to North Carolina with like ten minutes to go, right? And they 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 made that a you know an even game and and had a chance to win it. They've had a chance in the second half of every game they've played this year. Bottom line, um, Duke's really good. You know, we we went through a, a stretch where we were saying what is wrong with Duke? They're twenty three and five, and the reason we were saying that is because they they've lost some head scratching games, right? Uh, St. John's, NC State, and BC. I mean that those are three of their losses, and then they lost to Virginia. Well, and North didn't Carolina. they do it in the span of like two weeks? They lost yeah, BC games? was the yeah. opener. Oh, NC yeah. State was NC right State after that, and, and then St. John's was recently yeah. or semi recently. Yeah. So I don't think there's really anything wrong with Duke. They had a couple of off nights. It happens in college basketball, especially when you got a young team. They're putting it together, though. They're playing their best basketball of the season right now. Uh, they're going to be all tough to beat. I would be surprised if tomorrow was a five point game or less. I would too. I think Duke is is going to win and 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 win uh, handily. Uh, we do need to take a timeout. Lemoyne's Patrick Beeline joins us next. Keep it here. Underway on ESPN Radio. Stephen Seth with you up until 2 o'clock. Phone lines are open at 315-437-7644. We have Mark Armstrong, sports director from WTVD down in the Raleigh-Durham area. He's set to join us in about 20 minutes from now as we continue to look ahead to Syracuse-Duke tomorrow night. Cameron Indoor Stadium, 615 tip on ESPN. Uh, Duke 23-5 and on the season. Number 5 in what the national polls. What is wrong with those five losses? They did lose to three average to below average teams in BC, NC State, St. John's. NC State is average. St. John's and and BC are below average. Fair. Virginia and North Carolina are above average. Anybody can beat anybody on any given day. We know that. Um, So to say there's no chance, obviously there is always a chance. I don't like this matchup with Duke for a lot of reasons. There's a chance. I, I just don't think there's a very good one. I don't like how well Duke can shoot the three and how well Duke scores because that means Syracuse is going to have to score to stay in the game. And listen, they did score against North Carolina enough to certainly stay in the game and give themselves a chance to win. I think Duke's a better offensive team and that game was in the Carrier Dome, not inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. That's a big right. difference. There's a very big difference. And and you know what? The, I think Duke is... As talented as UNC is and as good as UNC is, I think that Duke is more talented. 
And I know Marvin Bagley like may or may not play, uh, but they brought in four All-Americans last year who were starting in that lineup, you know, uh, around Grayson Allen, who we know his college credentials, right? So I I think that when you look at this game and this matchup, uh, I I struggle to find where Syracuse is going to uh, exploit it enough to get a win. Right, like that. That's what I'm struggling to find. Like, where's what is SU going to do that's better than what Duke does? I, I just I don't know. Syracuse is better defensively. We know that. Uh, Duke has gotten better defensively since Bagley's been out. Since they've been going to the zone a little bit more, and maybe they will look good defensively against SU if they zone them up. And Syracuse can't make shots. But by and large, this season Syracuse has been better defensively. Um, Syracuse part, has, yeah. has proven to be a very good rebounding team as well. So you you ask what can Syracuse do better than Duke? Potentially rebound. Potentially play defense. But here here's the problem, and, and I don't necessarily disagree with you. The issue then becomes. The gap between Syracuse's defense and Duke's offense is bigger than the gap between Duke's defense and Syracuse's offense, yeah. right? Like, like I, I think that the gap there is big enough that you know Duke would still overcome that, and and I, I think that we have to remember Duke has been playing a lot better defensively over this winning streak over these last couple of weeks. You mentioned. Yesterday, Grayson Allen, you know, he's playing very well since Bagley's been out, and you brought up the, the theory that, you know, maybe Coach K's keeping out Bagley, you know, to get Grayson Allen going. Averaging 24 points per game during this four-game stretch that Bagley's been out. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it is. I think it's it's one of these things where it's a byproduct. Like, you can look at, at the Syracuse team, right? Merrick Dolezal has really come on strong of late. He struggled early on in ACC play. Well, ever since Matthew Moyer went down with the ankle sprain, Dolezal has been a different player. Is it you know, coincidence? No, I think it's opportunity. I think he's getting more reps. Um, you you know, mean you think playing thirty-five minutes would lend itself to? And he to knows he's not better. coming out of the yeah. game. It, it it instills confidence in him. He's starting to make that fifteen-footer, and now that he's playing well, even though Moyer's back, he's continued to play well um, because he had the reps and he's got the confidence. Now I think it's much the right. same thing with Grayson Allen. I think it's just opportunity. They need someone to pick up the scoring slack. Bagley's averaging what 21, 22 points per game. Somebody's got to pick up the scoring slack and it's Ben Grayson Allen who went from averaging about 15 points per game now he's you know at 24 the last four games so right and you know what maybe maybe when Bagley comes back he settles at 20 instead of his 15 and wouldn't you take that if you're Duke the rest of the way you know yeah a five point bump in average even when you know Bagley comes back and starts giving you his his 18 or 20 a game like I I think that there's something to this and and I, you know, I, I think that Bagley probably it, it started with an injury, right? Like, I'm not going to deny that. Like, that probably he probably is hurt, and they probably don't want to rush him back because, again, as we said in the first hour, they they don't really have much of anything to be playing for right now. Like, this team is in the NCAA tournament. This team cannot win the ACC regular season crown. So, like, what are they doing? Um, make sure he's right for March because March is what matters for Duke. Um, and at the same time, if March is what matters for Duke, uh, get Grayson Allen right. And Grayson Allen is. I don't think it's a, a conspiracy theory. I think it's just a byproduct. I think it's Bagley's out, more, Grayson Allen's picking up the slack. More correlation than causation. Yeah, there you go. Are you going to be able to focus these next 50 minutes? We've got Yankees, We've got Yankee baseball on. Tigers on the TV no, here. No, I'm fine. It's, uh, it's spring training. Studio. It's spring training. It's just exciting, but it's spring training. You say that, but you made it a point during the commercial that we got to turn on baseball. It's baseball, baseball, spring oh, training. Oh, I mean, I put I flipped the channel. You've before been talking the about game. this for like two days. Yeah, I flipped the channel before the show started. No, I know. 
you're like excited <laughs> about this, so don't downplay. Well, it's just spring training. I just want to make sure you're going to stay I'm, invested. I'm fine. I'm fine. All right, because we got a lot of basketball to talk about. Baseball for another day, Seth. I know. We'll get to it eventually. How about this segue? We're going into a different sport. Doug in North Syracuse. I'm sure he wants to talk lacrosse. Doug, how are you? Are you there, sir? Oh, no. I think we, we lost him. All right. I know Doug wanted to talk lacrosse. Big one tomorrow inside the Dome, by the way. I guess this is as good a time as any to remind everyone we've got the Upstate Lacrosse Show, 9 to 10 o'clock. Myself, Rick Beardsley, will be talking lacrosse for an hour. Uh, Orange did not look good last week, to say the least. No. Blown out uh, by Albany, 15-3. Another top 10 opponent in town tomorrow, Army up to number 9. Syracuse took a tumble in the media poll uh, down to 16 uh, this week, so it's um, you know an opportunity to get right, get back on track. They they didn't win faceoffs. They didn't have the ball. Hard to score uh, when you don't have the ball. I think we have Doug back. Let's let's try this one more time. Doug, are you with us? Steve, I'm sorry. I think I hit the end button. I didn't mean to do. You that, hung up on us. Apology. That's okay. We'll take your call anyway. And Seth, don't you hate it when you just focus on one sport like you do, man? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I didn't know if you guys had covered this in the first hour. I just got here, so if nobody has talked about it, you got a double bonus package going on in the Dome tomorrow. You can come and show your appreciation for our boys in uniform, plus you can come and cheer the Syracuse boys on. This is a pretty big game. I just caught the tail end of what you were saying there, Steve, because I, I, I'm so inept and I hung the phone up. But, uh, yeah, that was a tough one last week. It really was. Um, I don't believe for one second that Syracuse is as bad a team as they showed for uh, the last the last half of that game. At any rate, um, they can pass and catch the ball. I've seen it with my own two eyes. But uh, that Albany team is a force to be reckoned with. They're very good all over the field. So we'll see what happens. This is kind of a big one. The, the Syracuse boys have got to come out and play the way they can. I expect this to be a, a pretty entertaining and a very interesting game. Yeah, I think we'll learn a lot more about this team than maybe we did from the first two games. Syracuse is better than Binghamton, and they showed that. Syracuse is not as good as Albany right now, and they showed that. This game and this opponent feels more like it's it's an even playing field. I, I think we're going to learn a lot about this this SU team uh, tomorrow inside the Dome again. 2 o'clock face-off between the Orange uh, and Army. You want to take a time out here, Seth? Yeah, we got Mark Armstrong we coming do. up. Mark Armstrong from WTVD down in uh, the Raleigh-Durham area. He's the sports director down there. He's been on the show before. Uh, we'll bring him on as we continue to preview Syracuse and Duke 615 tip tomorrow night inside Cameron Indoor Stadium on ESPN. We're going to take a timeout back after this on Orange Nation. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. Brought to you every day by Grossman St. Amour CPAs as we welcome in our producer, Max Regandy. What's up, Max? A lot to get to today, guys. A lot to get to. Uh, right before I came in, this was actually literally right before I came in, Adam Schefter reporting that Chiefs and Rams are finalizing a deal to trade Marcus Peters. Sources have confirmed that the Chiefs will get a package of draft picks for Marcus Peters. Uh, still being finalized, but a pretty good cornerback is going out to L.A. to add to an already really good defense, so... Should be pretty interesting moving forward, but moving. yeah, and the Chiefs are re- remaking their roster. Chiefs on the, deal. on the fly. I mean, they trade Alex Smith. They trade their arguably their best defensive player, um, and and they do it all before the year starts, right? So none of these trades are officially official for like three more weeks. Yeah, uh, but 
uh, yeah, the Chiefs are remaking their roster and good for the teams that are benefiting from it. Right? Yeah, we I talked mean, a lot about the Alex Smith trade. Now the Rams just got a really good corner. And isn't this the time to do that before the draft, before free agency? Yep. You, mm-hmm. you know what your needs are. Um, yeah, I think this is uh, this is the time to do it. The Chiefs have a plan in place, and only time will tell if that plan works. Yeah, and uh, moving on, the Drexel set the uh, men's Division One record for a comeback win last night, overcoming 34 points in the first half, beating Delaware 85-83. to And Steve, you have somewhat of a tie to this one, don't you? That's right. My boy Zach Spiker, he's the head coach at Drexel, uh, played basketball with him at Ithaca. He, uh, we played one year together at Ithaca and uh, was at Army for a while. He's since moved on to Drexel, uh, having a, a great career, finding success, and a uh, really good guy. And, yeah, to uh, to wake up this morning and, and see that story, um, pretty cool. put a smile on my face. Yeah, he, uh, he, uh, couldn't happen to a better guy. He told his team at halftime that this would have to be the perfect storm. So what did they do coming out in the second half? They started on an 18-4 run and then continued later in the second half going on a 17-4 run. And Tremaine Isabel was fantastic for the Dragons, finishing with 29 points, 12 rebounds, and 9 assists. And assisting on 38 or scoring on 38 of Drexel's second half points, 29, 27 of his 29 coming in the final 23 minutes. So that's I, insane. I realize it's not the same thing, but like we just saw a game recently with, involving Syracuse where Wake Forest fell behind by a lot, and you know you just start shooting threes, and maybe you take shots you wouldn't normally take, yeah. and then they start going in, and now you start chipping away a little bit, and then the other team gets a little tight, and you know that's how comebacks happen, right? right. Drexel's just kind of like, all yeah. right, well it can't get worse. We're down by 34, so you might so as well you just, just keep you shooting. Play exactly. loo- you know, you play loose, you just start shooting, and a few go in, you get a few stops, all of a sudden you know 34 becomes 15, and now you know your opponent's playing a little tight, and maybe you know trying to take time off the clock and getting out of their off. Offense and and that's how these comebacks can happen and uh, again uh, really happy for Zach and and what he's doing uh, you know in college basketball they had success at Army now he's finding success at Drexel you know I find it funny that Max mentioned uh, they they went on an eighteen to four run out of the break that's incredible right it didn't even cut the deficit in half no not even and then like, Delaware like got the lead back so up to much. sixteen and then they went on that seventeen to four run yeah. I was surprised I mean, they were to down see, by so much I was surprised to see that the the previous record was back in, in 1950 the before the shot clock, which right. how do you possibly, shocks me. How do you possibly blow a 32-point lead without, without a, shot, a clock? shot clock? I don't care if the I don't care if the initial score is like 32 to nothing. How do you blow that lead? I don't know. That's I was ridiculous. I was shocked by that. That Tulane team, that Tulane team uh, with Coach K du- coaching Duke on the other side. Really, have you guys ever been a part of a comeback as crazy as this one? No, I have. You were little league. Oh, okay, it was crazy. Oh, man. how many were you down? Eleven, nothing after before we even picked up a bat, and we <laughs> we won sixteen to fifteen against Salt 11 City. Eleven, nothing. Yeah, after it was bad. You? I we think had, I heard about that game, Seth. They're still <laughs> yeah, talking. They're about still it. talking about exactly. it at St. Mary's Apparently, Little League Field. At least there one a, person still talking. There was about some it. kind of little league game that I played in where we blew like a seven run lead with two outs in the bottom of the six. Like the game was over. Yeah, and then we. Well, that's why it. I love yeah. little league. It's wild. But anyway, let's keep going. Uh, newly acquired forward Larry Nance will be abandoning. Steve is just, <laughs> Steve is just shaking his head he just and shot hanging a look his head in, I caught in a his look hands out of his... in disgust. It's like, Little why League, are we talking about Little Max's wild. Little League endeavors? Because it was crazy. All right, well, newly acquired forward Larry Nance will be abandoning his 24 Cleveland Cavs jersey next week down to 22. The retired number of his father, Larry Nance Sr., who wore when he played for the Cavs. 
Uh, Larry Nance Jr. wanted to do this, but was fearful that the uh, the number would be taken down from the rafters, which it will not. So that's a pretty cool story. Yeah, I think um, didn't didn't initially like he said he wanted to, but the team was like, no, let's not. Yeah, right? like there was, he, no, he was, was just fearful weird. that they were going to take it down from the rafters, and then I think his dad kind of gave him the green light. Yeah. and was like, go ahead. Yeah, I think this is really cool. I did I happen it. to watch the dunk competition, and when he put on his you know dad's old jersey, that was really cool. like that was neat. Um, I did think it was going a, a, a step far by going with the short shorts too. No, that com- that made it awesome. It was authentic. Made it authentic. Okay. That's it how looked, they wore them back in the and day. It, did you see the, the replay side by side? They yes. Did? yes. It looked identical. It, identical. Like, absolutely identical. I'm disappointed he didn't do the uh, the two the two basketball dunk. I think that one's awesome. I know the other one's like the, the, the dunk that you think of when you think of Larry Nance, like yeah. pulling it back and then, well, you I know, once the... you're past the bucket. But, like, he did that one where he dunked one and then, like, went to the other side of the room and dunked the other, and that was awesome. I saw a video on Twitter of the practice sessions they had leading up to it and those were better than the dunks that were in the actual competition oh yeah they always are and i was like but why are, why though like just try those in the competition don't be safe like more pressure eh, i guess so but as sticking with the nba nba addressing the mavericks workplace misconduct allegations that recently surfaced by instituting a confidential hotline for team and league employees to register concerns of this improper conduct according to a memo obtained by espn good move Yes. Obviously. Yeah. We can all agree it's, it's actually, a good move. It's taking, yes. a, it's taking action, which is important. Uh, you know, a, a lot of other uh, places where it has been brought up, they say, oh, I can't believe this happened, and then, like, don't really do anything about it. Um, I, I think that, you know, to an extent, the Mavericks took blame for it and, and kind of owned it. I don't know if they, you know, did enough or if Mark Cuban should have known more. He probably should have if it was his president and CEO. Um, the NBA seems to be doing something about it, and the one thing I'll say is, uh, you saw it in politics, you saw it in in Hollywood and, and in entertainment, and if you didn't think that these kinds of stories and and these kinds of uh, allegations were going to come out in the sports world, like I don't know what you're, I don't know where you are that you didn't think this was going to happen, uh, but th- this was bound to happen in the sports world too. So more leagues should obviously do this. We're all in agreement on that too, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just it's a nice step in the right direction. And as I keep watching over my shoulder the Yankees game, I just thought to myself, what like what would the expectations be? Fair expectations for this season? Is it obviously make it to the World Series with this roster? No, that's not a fair expectation. Why? This is the, like the best. I know roster Seth's in answer. Hang on, I know Seth's answer because I asked him this question. Yeah, we talked about this. Win the division was Seth's answer. Yeah. Yeah. Is I mean, that still your uh, answer? Yeah. You're yes. gonna set. Yes. I would set the bar even higher. They I'm gonna say make it to the, the World Series. They, they didn't over- win the division last year. The Astros, yeah, are, but they the overachieved Astros and made be- it to the but, World Series. But though, the like. Astros got better than they were last year. The Angels got better than they were last year. The Indians are still a very good I think team. The and the Red Sox just added the pieces. Better. So, and I'll, I'll I'll add this. I'm uh, not saying win. I'm just saying the make way it. that the baseball playoffs are set up, and it's much like Stanley Cup playoffs. It's all about you know getting hot at the right time, and and in in the NHL, it's if you have a hot goalie, you can go further and and maybe you know overachieve. And and in baseball, if you've got two hot pitchers, you're you're very tough to beat. So I would say 
yes, a fair expectation to Seth's point is win the division. That's kind of like the baseline expectation. With the goal being more than that. Like, yes. the goal is more right. than that. But the expectation, it's like SU basketball. Most years, the the expectation is make the NCAA tournament and, you know, reach the second weekend. Like, right? I mean, yeah, that's... No, yeah, and, and that's this year, we say all And the this time. year, the expectation is, is a little bit less than that because of, uh, you know, given the roster and the limitations they had coming into the season, the expectation became make the NCAA tournament. I think last year for the Yankees, it was, you know, you hope you can just get to the playoffs. And now... The expectation is win the division. I think that's fair. I would yeah. agree. Win the division. I like what you said. It's expectation versus goal. Goals definitely get to the World Series. I would. I, I think they got bet. Like they got much better than the other teams did. I don't think. I don't I think, think they, they got that much better than everybody else. I, I think do. That the, I mean, I think the Giancarlo Stanton addition is big, and I think that it's it's a good addition. I also think it's an addition that does not fill a need that they had. I, I think that Houston just added a legitimate third ace pitcher to their starting rotation, and that'll hurt a lot. Um, and, and I'm not sure. You know, I, I like the Yankees' chances. I really like their roster. I think they'll win the division. I don't know what's going to happen at third base and second base because you're starting two rookies. You know, we just don't. And did they address enough of the starting pitching? I think the pitching will be fine, especially with the guys they've got in the minors coming up, but did they address it enough? Yeah, I mean, and plus... The bullpen is still one of the best. In Incredible. The league, so yeah. there's that. That was today's business brought to you by Grossman St. Amore CPAs located in downtown Syracuse. Grossman St. Amore CPAs provides businesses and individuals with tax planning and tax preparation services and strategies to help minimize your tax liabilities. Learn more about how Grossman St. Amore CPAs can optimize the financial opportunities for your business online at gsacpas.com. I'm still trying to process Max's line. It was crazy. That he loves Little League because it's, it's wild. wild and that anything can happen. <laughs> it's Little League, man. Endless possibilities. Anything can happen. You can get a home run on a bunt. My son played Little League. I know what you're talking about. And I don't know. See, I love my son to death. I don't know as if I would describe Little League as being, you know, that's why I love it because anything can happen. I mean, as a player, though, you playing don't love it, Little League? I loved it because anything could happen. I you, love watching my son play. I can't say as though, like, if he was not involved, I you can't, wouldn't be I can't showing say I'm not, like, going to Little League baseball, baseball games. Baseball. Well, that's but, like, the way you made I, it sound. Like, <laughs> that's why I love Little League. Yeah, I'm scouting. I scout all the local talent for Little League at St. Mary's. I go every week. They know me there. Are I you more not. invested in the Little League World Series than you are in, like, the Major League Baseball playoffs? No, absolutely not. But okay. I love watching the Little League World Series. For Any, that exact anything can reason. happen. Anything can happen. All right, let's take our final time out, but we'll wrap up the show right after this.